Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. President Trump unveiled his tax reform plan yesterday during an event in Indianapolis, saying it will provide tax cuts to working-class Americans. Democrats and Republicans in Congress should come together, finally, to deliver this giant win for the American people and begin middle-class miracle. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was one of many Democrats who said the plan would do just the opposite. Under this plan, the wealthiest Americans and wealthiest corporations make out like bandits, while middle-class Americans are left holding the bag. Here to help sort through this are Mike Greenwald, a partner at Friedman LLP in corporate and business tax practice, and Richard Schlombach, professor at Duke University Law School. Richard, let's start with the nine-page proposal is a broad outline with important details left to Congress to hash out. Without more details, is it difficult to know if middle-income families will see the most benefit or rather the richest Americans? Well, I think this is uh, clearly um, a package of materials that uh, has a lot of benefits for high-income taxpayers. It's not clear whether it has any benefits at all for middle- and lower-income taxpayers. Uh, the number of things that are unambiguously favorable to um, high income and, and wealthy people, like repeal of the estate tax, uh, the fact that uh, uh, pass-through entities, which would include medical and law partnerships, where you have uh, a lot of income that's currently being taxed at uh, 35 or 39.6 percent, the rates would be capped at 25 percent. Uh, a number of uh, business enhancements that are going to make it more profitable to own and operate a business, and, and the businesses are mostly operated by relatively high-income uh, people. When you get down to the middle, um, there's going to be a doubling of the standard deduction, which is certainly helpful, but it's uh, going to be largely offset by the suggestion that we would have no personal exemptions. So whether that helps you or hurts you depends on your family size. Um, there's also a suggestion that there be an enhancement to the child credit, but that's one of the details that's uh, still to be worked out. We don't know how much. Um, if it's a substantial enhancement to the child credit, it could offset the uh, loss of the personal exemptions. But without knowing the amount, you, you can't know that. What we don't see are things that really might help low and moderate income people, like reductions in the payroll taxes, uh, enhancements to the earned income tax credit, and things of that sort. And, uh, Mike, do you agree with that analysis? 
I, I absolutely agree, and I'd, I'd go you know one step further. Uh, there's uh, the fact that you know we're going to reduce the progressivity of the of the overall individual tax system to three brackets, and that could very well be favorable to uh, working people and uh, lower middle income people. But we don't know where those brackets break out. So someone who's currently in the 10% bracket might find themselves moving up a little bit into uh, what's now going to be a 12% bracket, and we just don't know where that move point is. Uh, I would say that you know, the, the scorecard on this is, uh, is, is really incomplete at this point, and the, the lack of specificity and the fact that so much is going to be left to Congress to work out and, and with apparently very little time to do that, uh, is, is troubling and makes it difficult to predict who wins and loses. But there's definitely going to be winners and losers. Richard, the biggest deduction that would be eliminated is the one for state and local taxes, and that primarily hits people in blue states uh, where taxes and often incomes are higher. Is that a, a move that's a... a you think a Republican move to hit Democrats, or is that just something that ended up there? Um, I, I don't want to speculate too much on, on motives. It, it probably does have a differential impact according to whether the state has an income tax or not, and there are about six or seven that do not, including prominently Florida and Texas. But but over 40 states do have uh, state income taxes, so it's it's not the case that, that uh, the state income tax deduction is exclusively a blue state feature. There's a, it's a sort of a disparate impact thing. It will affect blue state residents a little more uh, than the average red state resident, but there are plenty of red state residents who would lose the value of that deduction as well. Mike, what about the lowering of the corporate rate? Tell us a little bit about that. Mike? Well, again, the, uh, you know, the lack of specificity is, uh, is, is a problem. We've, we do currently have a graduated corporate tax structure as well. People don't often talk about that, but for you know, small and mid-sized businesses, small and mid-sized corporations, they do have rates that are lower than the top 35% rate that's talked about. Uh, plus, there's also a number of different uh, credits and incentives and deductions that have been made available to businesses by Congress over the years to, that reduce the overall effective tax rate. So, again, without knowing what corporate deductions are going to be eliminated, what um, there's a talk about special tax regimes for certain industries that are going to be modernized. So without knowing all these other specifics, yes, a 20% corporate tax rate clearly is lower than, than a 35%, but that's at the margin. We don't know what happens in getting to that number. Um, uh, Richard, we just have uh, about uh, 30 seconds here, so what, get, you can get started on the answer to this, which is what is – what do you see in this as as the biggest change? Um, the very substantial reduction in uh, taxes on business. Uh, the, the cutting the top corporate rate from thirty five percent to twenty percent, allowing for expenses of capital acquisitions. Uh, the uh, capping the pass-through tax rate on income from basically professional services and other um, 
right, uh, limited that. partnership arrangements. I've been talking with Professor Richard Schmalbeck of Duke University Law School and Mike Greenwald of Partner at Friedman LLP and the Corporate and Business Tax Practice Leader about President Trump's tax plan and uh, how it may impact us. And part of the impact will be on an international scale. So, Mike, start with telling us a little bit about what the international impact will be. Uh, thanks. Right now, the U.S. technically taxes its multinational corporations on their worldwide earnings, but what's gotten a lot of publicity over the last few years is how very large companies are able to park uh, much of their foreign earnings overseas without ever paying U.S. tax on it and still have the use of the money. Uh, what's on the last page of the nine-page proposal uh, there's talk about moving to what we call a territorial system where companies would just pay tax on the earnings that they have within the United States. So the question was always what to do about these offshore earnings, the offshore cash and assets. And originally we thought that what was going to come forward was going to be some kind of a voluntary system where uh, there'd be a reduced rate available and companies could bring their earnings back and and, and pay one-time tax on it, but it would be voluntary. The proposal appears to make it mandatory. Uh, the, the framework talks in terms of uh, they're going to all be deemed as repatriated and that the tax would be collected at a reduced rate, but over a couple of years. And this looks to be one of the uh, items in the in the framework that they're going to try to use uh, as a pay for to cut down on the overall impact on the deficit of the uh, both the corporate tax reduction in general and the move from worldwide to territorial taxation. Richard, how do you analyze that uh, last <laughs> the last bit um, of this? Well, similarly, uh, I think it it is a, a good idea to, not to have a tax holiday like we had um, about uh, 12 years ago, which really didn't accomplish much of anything. Um, so the idea of, of collecting some of that tax that's been accumulating in foreign subsidiaries uh, is good. Again, we don't have much detail, um, so a lot depends on exactly how they go about that. But um, that's that's preferable, I think, to a tax holiday. Going forward from this point, it would. Um, exempt foreign earnings, and it's really hard to see how that would advantage American workers. Uh, it would put a multinational corporation in the position of saying, uh, do I want to um, put a new facility in uh, Ireland where the tax rate is 12.5% uh, and uh, I will never have to pay any additional American tax with respect to that. I'll just pay the 12.5% to Ireland and then we're home free. Uh, or should I do it in Indiana and pay a 20% tax? It does help that the corporate rate is pushed down from 35 to 20. That, that narrows the difference between the U.S. rates and some of the um, uh, lower rates that we see abroad. But it doesn't, uh, it doesn't eliminate the difference. And uh, the, if you're talking about billions of dollars of earnings, 12.5% is going to give you a big break over 20%. And why would you choose to put it in Indiana if you can put it in Ireland instead? So it's, it's really hard to see how that is consistent with what his expressed views are about um, you know, restoring American jobs and stopping the exporting of American jobs. And, Mike, let's talk about that $2 trillion uh, deficit uh, from this bill over the next decade. Any, is there any indication from anyone about how that is going to be filled? No, it's, that's, again, one of those details. It's left to Congress. Uh, but I, I think it's, it, 
it's interesting that uh, somebody was able to do that math this quickly. I don't think I could have seen gleaned from what's in this nine pages um, where that math comes from, but it, it makes a certain amount of sense to me in in, in a macro uh, in a macro way. Uh, I think that you know, from my standpoint, I, I've been doing this a while. I was around for the Tax Reform Act of '86. Tax reform is tough, and it takes a lot of time. Uh, and, and especially when you're trying to make these kinds of massive changes without having too significant an impact on both the economy and the, the deficit that the government runs, it's going to take some time to figure out where to draw those additional revenues from. And uh, I hope what it doesn't mean is that the, uh, the amount of benefits available to most taxpayers winds up getting reduced from the original proposal. So, Richard, in, in about, again, we're down to about 30 seconds here. Will that stop fiscal conservatives from going with this plan, that $2 trillion? It should. Uh, that's the sort of political question that's hard to know. There's a lot going on uh, that complicates their lives. But I did want to add that uh, I thought the $2 trillion was just a wild guess at this point. But what we do know is, as you look at these features, there are a lot of big revenue losers and not very many revenue gainers. So something is going to have to be done, or the deficit will grow a lot. Uh, so how much they want to do is uh, kind of up to them, and I think there'll be quite a bit of struggle within the Republican Party about that. Seems like there's a lot of blank space yet. Get in this plan. Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Professor Richard Schmalbeck of Duke University Law School and Mike Greenwald, a partner at Friedman LLP. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.